At the top of the Democrats' list are three things they really want to see. Trump's tax returns, the full Mueller report, and Avengers Endgame. Yes. Yes, please. Avengers well, Assemble. I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. To the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and in Eugene on KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, amongst others, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com on a day that the Earth does not actually seem all that big. Um, I got to tell you, it's it's an ugly news day. Yes, yes. To say the least. Oh, hi, Desi Doyen. Hey. You agree with that part of what I, I have to say so far? I most certainly do. All right, I'm off on the right foot then. <laughs> Uh, so it is it is very ugly, one thing after another. So let's start at least with something hopeful of a sort, sort of. Something to remind us that humanity itself is still capable of great and wondrous things. No matter how dark and dreary things seem to be, especially in the world of politics of late, humanity as Seth Borenstein reports over at AP, got its first glimpse on Wednesday of the cosmic place of no return, a black hole. And it's as hot, as violent, and as beautiful as science fiction imagined. Now, I know starting with a black hole... (laughs) May not seem like uh, the upside here. It may seem like an amazing metaphor for where the United States and the world are politically. However, it is a huge achievement of science. And the fact that a black hole is the brightest bit of news we may have today... Uh, Also, yeah, did I I mention Avengers Assemble? Please, pretty much. Uh, In a breakthrough that thrilled the world of astrophysics and stirred talk of Nobel Prize, of a Nobel Prize, uh, Bornstein notes, scientists on Wednesday released the first image ever made of a black hole revealing a fiery donut-shaped object in a galaxy 50 
53 million light years from Earth. Science fiction has become science fact, said University of Waterloo theoretical physicist Avery Broderick, one of the leaders of the research team of about 200 scientists from 20 different countries who worked together on this project. And uh, that was uh, Broderick's comments as the colorized orange and black picture was unveiled. The image assembled from data gathered by eight radio telescopes around the world. Again, all working together. Truly as a global one. effort. Yes. Yeah. To create essentially a telescope as large as planet Earth itself to get these images. Uh, they show uh, light and gas swirling around the lip of a supermassive black hole. A monster of the universe, as Seth describes, whose existence was theorized by Einstein more than a century ago, but confirmed only recently and only indirectly over the decades, and yes, now directly with photographic evidence today. Supermassive black holes are situated at the center of most galaxies, including our own, and uh, and we may have a photo uh, coming soon of one of those uh, of the, the black hole at the center of our own universe. But uh, so dense are they that nothing, not even light, can escape their gravitational pull. Sounds like Donald Trump. <laughs> anyway, yes. light gets bent, apparently, and twisted around by gravity in a bizarre funhouse effect, as it's described, as it gets sucked into the abyss along with superheated gas and dust. The new image confirmed yet another piece of Einstein's general theory of relativity. Einstein even predicted the object's neatly symmetrical shape. The uh, Shepard Dolman of Harvard, leader of the project, said we have seen what we thought was unseeable. We have seen and taken a picture of a black hole. National Geographic said no one really knows what, if anything, is at the core of a black hole, which is called the singularity, by the way. This uh, puncture in the very fabric of the universe is surrounded, they note, by a curved exotic expanse of space-time from which nothing escapes. But if you look really, really closely at that first-ever photo of a black hole today, uh, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I, I saw a whole bunch of tweets and Facebook pages right in the middle of it. <laughs> And speaking of the black hole, nice that segue. is Twitter. See what I did there? Yes. Uh, Republican California Congressman Devin Nunes, one of Donald Trump's top defenders in Congress, actually sued Twitter and a couple of satirical Twitter accounts for some $250 million a week or two ago, apparently because the satirical parody accounts, such as one called Devin's Cow, served as what Nunez's uh, suit describes as a, quote, portal of defamation by posting mean things about him by, uh, as the Boston Globe reports, royally milking the cow's pun cow puns, oh, as dear. this uh, <laughs> this uh, this account Devin Cow does. Uh, for example, Devin Cow posted Devin's boots are full of manure. He's utterly worthless and it's pasture time to move move him to prison oh man that is what Devin Nunes is suing against 
for $250 million, along with Twitter and another account called Devin Nunes' mom and a Republican political strategist who doesn't care for Devin Nunes named Liz Mayer, uh, who has, since being sued, changed her Twitter name, by the way, to being sued by Devin Nunes. Well, that's appropriate. So that's working out well for him. But Nunes apparently has not had enough. On Monday, he announced another lawsuit, this time for $150 million, once again naming Liz Mayer as a defendant, and this time co-defendant McClatchy, the McClatchy Group, the 162-year-old news service, which owns a number of newspapers, Around the country, including Nunez's own hometown paper, the Fresno Bee, out here in uh, up in central California. So what was somewhat amusing with his suit against Twitter and Devin Cow has now turned into a bizarre attack, really, on the First Amendment rights of a free press as well. So uh, is there more than actually appears behind this effort? We'll be joined shortly by veteran media analyst Eric Bullard for his thoughts on what the hell is actually going on here. But first, uh, a couple of uh, other quick news items of note that you may or may not have heard about today. Wisconsin Chief Appeals Court Judge Lisa Neubauer announced on Wednesday that she has conceded to her opponent, Brian Hagedorn, in the race for Wisconsin Supreme Court bringing the closest judicial race in recent memory to its conclusion, according to the Wisconsin State Journal. You will recall that we covered that election last week on the broadcast, in which a retiring liberal-aligned justice on Wisconsin's high court was uh, was being replaced, and the progressive Neubauer was facing off against the hard-right Hagedorn, who, among other offensive things in his life and career, has equated homosexuality to bestiality. He's described Planned Parenthood as a wicked organization, and the NAACP as, quote, a disgrace to America. He will now sit on the highest court in the state of Wisconsin. Now, had Neubauer won, Wisconsin's Supreme Court would still have had a 4-3 right-wing uh, majority, but with a conservative justice on the court retiring next year to be replaced during an election on the same day as the 2020 Democratic presidential primary in Wisconsin, a Neubauer win this year, which everyone, by the way, thought to be the most likely outcome before Election Day, that win could have resulted in a uh, it would have still uh, conservatives still would have had a four to three majority on the court. But it could have then re- resulted in a progressive majority on the court for the first time in a decade beginning next year. Now. It'll be 2023 before that becomes a possibility again. As the State Journal notes, Neubauer's announcement today comes just over a week after the statewide election, uh, whose results were reminiscent of the razor-thin margins of the 2018 governor's race, where the Democrat defeated Republican Scott Walker last November, and of that 2011 Supreme Court race that ended in a recount. You'll recall we covered that in great detail with the progressive-aligned candidate there, also ultimately losing by a very slim margin after some questionable counts. 
Uh, she joined us on the air eventually to talk about that and why she was not able to continue fighting that race. But last week's results showed the conservative-backed Hagedorn with a lead of about 6,000 votes out of some 1.2 million votes cast. That's a margin of 0.49 of one percentage point, so less than half of one percentage point. The tally was close enough for Neubauer to have requested a recount. She had considered that apparently up until today, but her campaign uh, would have had to pay for it. So I guess she decided against it. So whatever the computers across the state of Wisconsin found to be the results from last Tuesday's race, results that were not looked at, not checked, not confirmed by any human being, those results will be the final results. Neubauer um, said in a statement that she had called Hagedorn to concede on Wednesday and wishes him the best. Uh, this means that the Wisconsin Supreme Court will begin its new session later this year with a 5-2 to two right-wing majority on the court. Told you it was a dark day. Yep, and that majority will continue through at least at the very earliest 2023. 2023. Meaning that yep. when Wisconsin redistricts after the 2020 census, there will be a conservative majority in place in the state court to ensure that whatever the Republicans figure out is what stays. Unless, of course, the Democrats take over the assembly between now and then uh, next year, they could. But if there are challenges to whatever the Democrats come up with, then, yes, that will be determined by this right wing five to two majority on the Supreme Court. It also, uh, as the State Journal notes, likely extinguishes the possibility of the expansion of voter rights in Wisconsin. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. In, in Wisconsin or at least getting rid of their the Republican photo ID voting restrictions that were put in place up there under Scott Walker. Uh, it probably means they won't be able to revisit the uh, controversial cases such as Scott Walker's former governor, Scott Walker's anti-union bill. That's Act 10, the 2011 law that limits the power of public sector unions. Or, as you mentioned, Desi, uh, the um, state's political maps after the 2020 census. So, uh, yes, elections matter. Even off-year state Supreme Court elections held in April, they matter as well. So, see, told you, dark news today, and that's without even getting into Trump's uh, Attorney General uh, Bill Barr and his obnoxious testimony in the House yesterday and again today in the U.S. Senate. But since others are on that today, allow me to stay out of that mess, at least for now, uh, because there's some other news that I want to make sure uh, people understand that involves Wisconsin and Minnesota and a whole bunch of other states which are about to face what appears to be yet another emergency situation this week, just as you, Desi Doyen, reported on yesterday's Green News report yes. before most folks had noticed, uh, because it was, as I understand, a beautiful spring day in much of the upper Midwest yesterday. But as uh, you warned, Des, things are changing very quickly today. Uh, as Axios finally appears to have noticed, a rapidly intensifying storm is sending temperatures plummeting by more than 40 degrees across the western and central plains on Wednesday, spawning an April blizzard that could dump more than two feet of snow in some areas. 
The storm will paralyze, they say, a huge area of real estate and potentially set up beleaguered states like Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota and Wisconsin, among others, for more flooding in the coming days after they have been uh, wrestling with unprecedented flooding already over the last several weeks. Could also result in record uh, snowfall with the potential for as much as 30 or more inches in parts of the Midwest and for the lowest atmospheric pressure reading observed during the month of April in a number of those states. Wow. The air pressure is significant because the lower the air pressure, the stronger the storm. And this bomb cyclone, as it's called, so named because of its rapid rate of intensification, follows on the heels of another such bomb cyclone storm that struck the same general region last month. And that is completely in line with climate scientists' predictions that, you know, sure, these extreme storms and blizzards happen, but they don't happen this often now. They're now happening more often and more closer together, giving these communities zero time to recover and repair. Yeah, because they are still dealing with uh, the billions, billions of dollars in damage uh, that the last storm caused just weeks ago that, by the way, Donald Trump couldn't find the time to go out and look at. He sent Mike Pence out instead, I guess. Uh, the, most of that damage was due to widespread flooding, which, among other things, overran a major U.S. Air Force base outside of Omaha, Nebraska. You would think that Donald Trump would at least go out to check that out. To pretend to care about it. To stay in a friendly area where he wouldn't have to go meet people who were furious at him uh so but you know a trump's position seems to be we don't need to do anything about climate change at all other than apparently make it worse and b we also need to steal yet more money from still more military base construction projects in order to build donald trump's wall on the southern border where we do not have a national emergency as opposed to the upper midwest where it looks like we are going to have our second in as many months Uh, at Strategic Command, uh, based at the Offutt Air Force Base in uh, Nebraska, they were wiped out. They were flooded out by that other bomb cyclone just a week or two ago, and another is now headed its way. Uh, As you also may recall, last week we told you about the Marine Corps' top uh, commandant who leaked letters Uh, revealing that the Corps had canceled military exercises all around the world and that the military was unable to repair hundreds of Hurricane Florence-damaged homes and buildings on military bases out in North Carolina, all because of Trump's moving troops uh, and funding from uh, these projects down to projects on the southern border which the commandant wrote is now harming military combat readiness around the world. Well, uh, the storm on Wednesday in Midwest is uh, spreading what Axios calls a smorgasbord of weather hazards from flash flooding, severe thunderstorms, blizzard conditions from Colorado to Minnesota and all the way southward to the Gulf Coast. At its peak intensity late on Wednesday and into Thursday, winds could whip up to 60 miles per hour. That's like hurricane-level winds at that point, isn't it? Just shy of a hurricane. 
Uh, in some areas, there will be whiteout conditions that will render travel impossible, according to the National Weather Service. Life-threatening travel conditions as the storm intensifies. Heavy, wet snow plus high winds could create lasting power outages. The heaviest snow looks to fall in South Dakota and western Minnesota. Mm, sorry about that. AM 950 listeners. Yes, please be careful out there. Uh, 24 to 30 inches is possible, according to the National Weather Service. Some states like Nebraska could see severe thunderstorms, heavy rain, icing, blizzard conditions at the same time, including a thunder snow, which has already been observed in South Dakota. Thunder snow? That's like a thunderstorm, but with snow? Yes. It was once thought to be rare and no one had ever documented it. Now we've had people documenting it all the time time now. Blizzard warnings are now in effect for six states with whiteout conditions that could shut out portions of Interstate 70, 80 and 90. So, yes, as Desi notes, uh, this it's not unusual to see this type of a storm in April. It can happen. But to see two of them in a row of such intensity is quite unusual. This after uh, and, and then the biggest concern, by the way, is what happens after the storm passes and the snow begins to melt. Whatever snowpack it deposits uh, and the rainwater that comes with it now begins to fill the uh, rivers once again that are already saturated. Here's a an, an example. Pueblo, Colorado yesterday yeah. hit 85 degrees. So if there's another super hot day coming on the heels of this snowpack, mm. it could flash melt and that can cause very quick flash flooding. This is going to affect millions of Americans. Uh, and by the way, as if all of what we covered just now isn't bad enough, the Weather Service notes that this could also uh, kick up strong winds and raise wildfire risks oh, from yeah. the southwest to the Great Lakes. So there you go. But don't worry. Everything's fine. As we go to air, Donald Trump is said to be signing an executive order, even as we speak, to make it easier for more fossil fuel companies to ignore state regulations in order to build more new pipelines to produce more fossil fuel, to produce more global warming to produce more such devastating storms, all while Republicans are making fun of the Democrats' Green New Deal proposal to help curb this sort of thing. And prepare our aging infrastructure to be resilient for the climate impacts and extreme weather events we can no longer prevent. By adding, at the same time, millions of jobs, all of which Republicans think is hysterical. So they are lying about the proposal, saying that it would ban cows. But hey, speaking of cows, some thoughts from Devin Nunes and his cow are next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from 
bradblog.com. Boy, that song from our friend Victoria Parks of uh, WGRN in Columbus, Ohio, has come in very useful over the years. Um, All right. As the Fresno Bee, a Central California newspaper owned by McClatchy, reported last year, in 2015, Alina Noss was asked by her employer... Alpha Omega Winery to serve guests as part of a charity cruise on the San Francisco Bay. But what she expected to be a routine shift serving wine turned into a nightmare, according to court documents. The guests aboard the yacht that night, described in her 2016 lawsuit as 25 of the Napa Valley-based winery's top investors, who were all men, were openly using what appeared to be cocaine and, quote, drawing straws for which sex worker to hire, according to the lawsuit. Alpha Omega, which boasts in its promotional materials of, quote, world-class wines in a convivial setting, settled with Anas for an undisclosed amount in Napa County Superior Court that same year. The winery is owned by Robin Baggett, a major benefactor of Cal Poly, that's California Polytechnic State University, and its investors include Baggett's friend, Republican Congressman Devin Nunes. Anas alleges in her suit that on the uh, August 2015 cruise, she could hear sexual activity happening in the yacht's bedrooms and witness men fondling sex workers, some who appeared to be, quote, too young to consent. At least one of the several John Doe's listed as defendants allegedly suggested that Anas should also, quote, provide services of a sexual nature, unquote. But she couldn't just leave. She was on the water, after all, on a yacht, on a fundraising cruise. She called the winery seeking help, and a higher-up employee told her to, quote, lie low to avoid harassment, according to the lawsuit. The paper goes on to explain that the cruise had been auctioned off at a charity fundraiser, and the winning bidders aboard the yacht were, quote, important investors in Alpha. That would be Alpha Omega, uh, according to the documents. Kelly Carter, director of communications for Alpha Omega, said the terms of the settlement with Anas remain confidential. In an email, she distanced Congressman Nunes from the lawsuit. The paper notes, quoting from the email, quote, Rep. Dev- Devin Nunes is one of a few friends Baggett invited to invest in the winery back in 2005, None of the investors has ever been involved with the management of the company. Robin Baggett is the sole managing partner and ultimate decision maker at Alpha Omega. Carter's uh, email said Robin has made a point to never mix politics with the business of Alpha Omega. Carter said no one on board the yacht that night had any connection to the winery or its owners and that the benefiting charity was outside of Napa Valley. The paper goes on to report that Nunes, whose backstory often focuses on his time spent as a dairy farmer in the central San Joaquin Valley, sold his Tular County farmland back in 2006 and invested between fifty dollars and $100,000 in Alpha Omega, which opened the same year. The congressman who represents Fresno and Tulare counties and is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, or at least was back when Fresno B was reporting this story, 
serves as a limited partner in the company, according to his latest financial disclosure forms. Alpha Omega and Phase 2 Sellers are listed as Nunez's only assets, aside from a Bank of America saving account and copyright royalties for some books uh, with a right-wing publishing company. The paper says Carter described Baggett, uh, who was originally from Salinas, California, and Nunez as friends. Nunez's office did not return requests for comment. They report it's unclear how much of Alpha Omega that Nunes owns and if he was aware of the lawsuit or was affiliated with the fundraiser in any way. The Alpha Omega Foundation, that's the winery's philanthropy arm, raised nearly $1 million in 2018 through auction lot donations benefiting charities in Napa, San Luis Obispo and, and Monterey counties. The yacht has been offered numerous times as part of auction packages helping a variety of charities. Nunez is among more than 50 people who own a percentage of Alpha Omega, the paper notes. That, according to the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, he reported uh, that he made between $2,500 and $5,000 from Alpha Omega in 2016. The uh, paper also notes that Nunez's ties to Alpha Omega made national headlines last year. That would be in uh, 2017, the year before this article came out, because it was discovered that the winery sold wine to Russian clients back in 2013. That discovery came amid Nunez's ongoing involvement in a federal investigation of Russian meddling into the presidential election. So that was essentially the story that the Fresno Bee uh, reported. Now, you may recall several weeks ago that Nunez filed a lawsuit against a Republican political consultant and oppo researcher named Liz Mayer, who has been critical of Nunez and Donald Trump and other GOP Trumpers. The same lawsuit seeking $250 million on charges of defamation also included Twitter as one of the uh, uh, co-defendants, along with two anonymous satirical Twitter accounts, one of them named Devin Cow and the other Devin Nunez's mom. Nunez took quite a bit of heat for that lawsuit, which was first announced on Fox News, as he seemed to be attacking the First Amendment rights of free speech itself. It, uh, the suit lawsuit also resulted in the Devin Cow account, so named as uh, Nunez once owned a dairy farm. Uh, the uh, Devon's Cow uh, account got more followers at the time even than California's uh, congressman on Twitter after this lawsuit was launched. The Devon Cow account trolls Nunez with tweets like uh, one today in which uh, the account uh, retweeted someone else talking about hunting and added, Devin Nunez tried hunting once and it was a big moo steak. You see, that's the sort of thing that this account does. It's satire. And yes, it's attacking Devin Nunes, which at least used to be protected under the First Amendment. We'll see if it still is. There was a lot of head scratching about that lawsuit, which seemed ridiculous at the time, at least to me. And frankly, it still does. But Nunes wasn't finished. On Monday of this week, he sued Liz Mayer, the Republican consultant, again. And this time in a separate lawsuit for $150 million. The co-defendant was the McClatchy News Group, owner of the Fresno Bee, which 
reported that article last year on um, the Alpha Omega winery and noting Devin Nunes's uh, contacts to the company. So he sued Mayor again, 150 bucks, 150 million bucks, threw in the McClatchy News Group, which had published that story. And now, as uh, Nicole Lafond reports at TPM, Devin Nunes took another jab at a Republican communication strategist as well as the McClatchy company. Nunes alleges that the uh, communication strategist Liz Mayer conspired with the Fresno Bee to attempt to derail the lawmakers' efforts as then chair of the House Intelligence Committee to investigate the Hillary Clinton campaign and Russian interference in the 2016 election. According to the suit, which, like the previous suit, was also first obtained by Fox News. Nunes alleged in the first suit, which is chock full of embarrassing memes, according to LaFon, that Twitter allowed Mayor and the two troll accounts to function and harass him. The suit filed in Virginia on Monday against McClatchy centers on that 2018 story written by journalist Mackenzie Mays with the headline, A Yacht. Cocaine and prostitutes, winery partly owned by Nunes, sued after fundraiser event. In the new suit, Nunes picks apart that article, alleging there were strategic choices made in the writing and sharing of the story on social media that were meant to target him. Nunes also alleges that Mays has used Mayer as a source in her other stories and did not disclose the nature of her job. The complaint said, quote, Mays concealed the fact that Mayer is an opposition research operative who admittedly smears targets such as Nunes for pay from uh, as yet anonymous clients. The complaint says this was a crucial omission since it would have revealed Mayer's motive and cast grave doubt on her credibility and veracity and on the credibility and veracity of her handlers. Nunes' latest lawsuit this week was first announced on Sean Hannity's Fox show on Monday, where Nunes joined his fellow Trump acolyte Sean Hannity to explain the latest legal action. Just breaking now, Devin Nunes has filed a $150 million lawsuit against McClatchy News and alleging conspiracy to derail the Clinton-Russia probes. Congressman joins us now at the very latest. Let's start with your lawsuit. Wasn't this the same McClatchy that said that Michael Cohn was in Prague? Ex yeah, he they never was in Prague. And they doubled down on stupid. But that's only yeah, one they did example. that twice, Sean. So they had dozens and dozens of stories. So a couple of the reporters there were the biggest uh, perpetuators of the Russia hoax. So all of this was done uh, in concert while they were slandering and attacking me and defaming me, attacking Republicans. And the whole time they were getting this information from someone. And so part of the lawsuit here is not only that you know they need to retract everything that they did against me, but they also need to come clean with the American people, retract all of their fake news stories. And so this is part of the broader cleanup. So remember a few weeks ago, I, I filed against Twitter that they're, they're censoring conservatives. Uh, McClatchy is one of the biggest, uh, the worst offenders of this, but we're coming after the rest of them. I think people are just beginning to wake up now that I'm serious, I'm coming to clean up all of the mess. So if you're out there and you lied and you defamed, uh, we're going to come after you. 
On Tuesday night, GOP strategist Liz Mayer, who is named as a co-defendant in both of these lawsuits, appeared on Fox News herself, where host Shannon Bream defended the, uh, the lawmaker to Mayer during the interview. So in his complaint, he says this during Nunez re-election campaign in 2018, Mayer conspired with and presumably was paid by one or more as yet unknown clients to attack and smear Nunez. True or false? Uh, We do a lot of opposition research work at my firm. Uh, To be fair, I don't think that Devin Nunez has been on the end of the harshest elements of it. You know, I think if that's something that he has trouble with, I think that he needs to take that up with the political system as a whole, quite frankly. Um, You know, as far as I'm concerned, this is a First Amendment issue. You know, this is somebody who does have an obligation to defend the Constitution. That includes the First Amendment. That means his free speech rights. It means my free speech rights. It means yours. It means everybody's. Um, And from my perspective, you know, he's suing me for $400 million. He's suing me for- Are you good for it? Uh, No, unfortunately I'm not. I really (laughs) desperately wish that I were. You know, I think my firm is relatively successful, but probably not quite that successful. You know, and at the end of the day, this is an effort to stifle free speech, and that should really concern people, whether they like me, whether they like Congressman Nunes, whoever they like. You know, this sets a really bad precedent. If this lawsuit ends up succeeding, anything that Fox News viewers who are on social media or Fox News itself says that's critical of somebody like Hillary Clinton, guess what? She's going to be able to bankrupt that. There is a high standard when you're talking about defamation, and the reason that that exists is because James Madison when he was writing the First Amendment, specifically wanted censorial power to rest with the people over the government, not for the government to be able to censor the people. For their part, in response to the lawsuit this week, the publisher McClatchy gave a statement to the Fresno Bee, published today, labeling the suit by Devin Nunes as an unproductive distraction, a misuse of the judicial system, and pointing out that Nunes declined the opportunity to talk to Fresno Bee reporters last year before the article in question was even published. They write, in the over 10 months since the winery article appeared, Mr. Nunes has not once written to the Fresno Bee to demand that it publish a correction to any statement made about him. He did, however, find the time to produce a video and a 40-page mailer distributed to constituents attacking the Fresno Bee and its coverage of the Alpha Omega winery case. The publishing company added, noting that Nunes' suit was uh, filed in Virginia, that, quote, Logically, California is a more appropriate location to try this case since Mr. Nunez represents a constituency in California. McClatchy is based in California for 162 years. And the Fresno Bee is the representative's hometown newsroom. We find it ironic, they wrote. Rather than sue in his home district, he chose Charlottesville as the location for his suit. A town associated with Thomas Jefferson, a founding father who was a strong advocate of the First Amendment. So what the hell is actually going on here? Is Nunes just trying to add another kick me sign to his back at this point? Or does he really have a justifiable complaint against Twitter, against satirical Twitter troll accounts, against a Republican strategist, and now a well-respected, more-than-century-old news organization? Or 
Is there something much darker and more insidious going on here? Joining us now to try and figure some of this out is the dark and insidious Eric Bollert. He is a longtime media analyst at Media Matters for America and Salon. Now writing over at Daily Coast, he's also the author of two books, Bloggers on the Bus and Lapdogs, How the Press Rolled Over for Bush. Eric Bollert, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad, how are you? I am okay. So, Eric, when when his first suit came out, I sort of laughed at it, and I think Mm -hmm. so did most of the world, especially on Twitter, it seems. But now I'm starting to wonder if there's a bigger picture here. Uh, So before I share my suspicion, let me get your top-line reaction to what is going on here with Devin Nunes and these lawsuits. uh, Honestly, the first question I have is who's paying for it? Mm -hmm. Obviously, Devin Nunes isn't spending a dime of his money on these harassment lawsuits. Uh, And I think think it goes towards the, the dark and insidious. I mean, obviously... You know, my hunch is some billionaire Republican or some think tank is paying for all this. Some Republican law firm is doing this pro bono. And it does seem to be uh, part of a larger harassment campaign. Mm-hmm. People didn't used to file these kinds of lawsuits. Uh, obviously, uh, I think there's absolutely zero chance they're going to be successful. Um, so the question is, why? why is he doing this? Uh, is it just for publicity? Uh, he seems to be obsessed with this one pol- uh, Republican operative, uh, Ms. Mayor. Right. Uh, and, and, and we can talk about that. I mean, opposition research has been around forever. Uh, if you're a reporter and you're in touch with someone who has oppor- opposition research and you report a story, you are not part. You are not part of some kind of conspiracy to silence that congressman and, and, and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think this is all very dangerous and upsetting, and this is part of, you know, it's just the latest and an endless chapter of how the Republican Party has become a deeply radical uh, and uh, sort of non-democratic institution. And, and this idea, and, and you know, and the other thing you would think, well, you know, it's got no chance, and this is fine because it'll just get out of thrown out of court. You know, as, as Trump and Republicans pack the courts with more and more ideologues, yeah. you know, over the years that becomes less reassuring. You don't know that these kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, will just get automatically. I mean, but we can talk about libel laws in this country and why newsrooms uh, so rarely are, are found at fault for things like this. Devin Nunes is a public figure, extremely high uh, bars have to be have to be, hurdles have to be uh, met in terms of you have to prove this with basically, you know, the the B knew this story was wrong. They mm-hmm. knew it was going to harm him. And that's why they point out he never asked for a correction, because if this ever got anywhere in a lawsuit, the fact that he hasn't even asked for a correction uh, is going to be very damning for him if he's trying to clear the record and clear his name. How come it took him a year to figure out this was a problem? Right. Uh, but again, back to the larger issue, uh, you know, this this is this is a well-oiled right-wing machine uh, that has no hesitation in terms of trying to uh, undercut democracy and undercut undercut free speech uh, and things like that. Uh, and and again, we can talk about the Twitter lawsuit, which is you know insane and makes no sense. But you know, it gets big headlines. He's up to four hundred million dollars in damages. He's seeking, and every time he he files one of these, he goes on Fox News the night before, and so he's mm-hmm. got a good little uh, gig. If he, you know, if his if his if his goal is to fundraise uh, in the right wing media mm. circles. 
Well, yeah, and he mentioned uh, on his most recent appearance on Fox with Sean Hannity there that I played, uh, he talked about how McClatchy, he claimed that, you know, McClatchy has gone after the NRA as well. Uh, and I think uh, NRA may be based in Virginia, so I don't know if they're behind uh, funding this suit or not. But I'm glad that you see it. Uh, you know, like I said, I sort of laughed at it when it was the, the Twitter lawsuit. Now I think there's something going on. Trump, uh, Donald Trump, uh, who Nunes has gone to great lengths to protect, as you know, particularly when he served as the chair of the House Intelligence Committee last year when the GOP was in control. And as that committee seemed to be working to protect the president uh, right. rather than actually investigate wrongdoing. Well, Trump has talked long about revising libel laws in this country. Mm-hmm. He's expressed outrage, you know, at how difficult it is for public figures like him to, I guess, bankrupt people who they view as attackers, uh, you know, with with lawsuits. Uh, Is this somehow part of that effort? And is Nunes sort of carrying out this uh, effort for his friend, the president? You know, it's certainly possible. I mean, I don't think much happens outside of the Republican Party these days without, you know, Trump signing off on it, either directly or indirectly. He, he runs the entire party. Look, you know, I think, you know, maybe this is a way to introduce, you know, a different conversation about libel laws. I mean, the idea that you're going to sue some, a news organization because they, quote, go after the NRA or that somehow makes them uh, suspect. I mean, you know, news organizations went after big tobacco. I mean, there was, there was a reason why they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, back to your point about initially, you know, laughing about the... Um, you know the uh, the Twitter lawsuit, yeah. and he famously, you know, sued uh, an, an anonymous Twitter account uh, that was supposedly run by a cow, and then the, right. then that Twitter account got over like half a million followers. I, I I wrote about that, and I said the exact same thing, and I said this absolutely should be mocked. But I also pointed out this stuff works, and you know, and that was an attempt to bully social media, a uh, bully Twitter. Um, you know, the Republican Party has decided that, you know, uh, Google and Twitter and, and, and Facebook uh, are, are the new targets, mm-hmm. and they're using the exact same playbook that they used on the traditional media for four decades, which is, you know, you work the mm-hmm. rest, you scream and yell over these fake, uh, phony allegations of liberal media bias, and it works. Facebook has bent over backwards to make sure Republicans are happy. Twitter could have easily been... Donald Trump uh, two years ago and saved this country an enormous amount of pain because he obviously <laughs> violated you know, the uh, rules. Violates the rules all the time. Yeah. Uh, so it works, and, and and so that's the problem with these attacks. You know, they seem outlandish and they they seem absurd, but inside boardrooms, yeah. In, when you're talking about uh, you know shareholders and dollars and power, this stuff works, and people routinely back down and cave. And and this and 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 kind of scurry around, mm-hmm. and it becomes how can we make sure, you know, the Republicans don't bully us, and how can we prove we don't have a liberal mm-hmm. media bias? So you know, McClatchy's saying all the right things right now, yeah. uh, but you know, it has an effect. There's no question about it. And 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 if uh, you know, six not, six months or nine months, and and there's a tough call in the McClatchy newsroom, and they need to hit print on a story that's incredibly embarrassing to Trump or Nunes, will they? 
uh, you know, th- that that becomes an issue, and, and it makes it more difficult to produce good journalism. And you make an excellent point there, because I was thinking when you first said, well, this effort works, I'm thinking, well, it works because... You know, Nunes will make money off of this, as uh, McClatchy points out, I think, in the response that he's already, you know, doing a, a fundraiser uh, behind all of this. But you're right. Working the refs has worked for years. It uh, serves to have a chilling effect on the media. Uh, and the media outlets, um, which you, of course, have been writing about for years, and you write about again this week. And let me just, since I know we've got just another uh, a minute or two with you here, Eric, let me jump into this because uh, you write about the uh, c- current, the the purge. Here we yeah. go. The purge, Trump's brazen purge at DHS, shows he has no fear of the press holding him accountable. How so? How do you how do you connect those two ideas? Yeah, the um, he's effectively covering up the Mueller report as it you know as we speak. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, his, attorney, his his handpicked attorney general is going to slow walk that thing forever. We're never going to get a clear look at the Mueller report. Uh, it's going to be redacted. It's going to be hidden, uh, and and that's a stunning accomplishment because you know he's basically rolled the press on that. I mean, there is no outrage. There is no pushback. Everyone just kind of ho hums it. This is the most important government report in 25 or 40 years not a single journalist has read it or really ever really will read the whole thing yeah but what would what would what would outrage look like i mean what what can people in in the media do to to change that yeah no good point you know why why doesn't cnn have a ticker you know at days hours and minutes since the the Mueller report hasn't been you know released you Uh know Mueller report held hostage day 19 (laughs) oh you know you know this would have been the case you know if you go back to the clinton 90s right janet reno had announced oh i read the star report it's interesting but i'll you know I'll give you a four-page summary and right. come back to me a month. You know, it wouldn't have been just the Republican Party. It would have been the entire D.C. media, you know, with, with pitchforks and everything. So they're coming off that successful cover-up of the Mueller report, and now he just cleans house at the DHS. I just get the feeling he doesn't care what the press says, and, and, and it's working. Um, you know, he never returned. He never, re, you know, released his tax returns. He just, he just seems completely emboldened. Uh, and I think for for cause, uh, and and just real quickly, you know, the cover of the DHS purge, you know, there was very little wider lens that you know he's hollowing out the federal government. I mean, he has got vacancies all over the place. He's you know half of his top aides have resigned or been fired, and he's doing that to create this this kind of vacuum where he steps in to become kind of an authoritarian leader. Mm-hmm. That's the big story in terms of what the latest purge is. Well, if you look at the coverage, oh, well, he fired some people. This, You know, he's eccentric. This is his style. Uh, you know, he, he's a change agent. This is, you know, kind of the, the, the vibe is this isn't that big a deal. It's a huge deal uh, in terms of how he's trying to remake the federal government to make it weaker to give him sole power. You're right. I think if this had been uh, Obama or Clinton, we would be seeing a headlines, national security crisis. Absolutely. 
day five or whatever the way it would be uh, uh, covered by them. And uh, you are absolutely right. I'll point uh, folks towards your work over at Daily Coast. I actually quoted from one of your articles yesterday uh, with your concerns about whether the media had learned anything from the 2016 election. Oh, right. Yeah. As we barrel into 2020, things are not looking much better. But uh, thankfully, folks like you are out there to try to hold them accountable, my friend. Uh, we'll point folks to your uh, several columns this week over at Daily Coast. And, of course, Eric Bollert, a longtime media analyst, author of Bloggers on the Bus, How the Internet Changed Politics and the Press, and Lapdogs, How the Press Rolled Over for Bush. Eric, you need a follow-up. Uh, on that one, I suspect uh, how the press is rolling over for Donald Trump. Going to be a long book, though. Eric, uh, greatly appreciate you joining us today. We'll talk to you again soon, I suspect. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. You too, brother. Okay, quick break, and we are back with our closing few minutes. Uh, What are we going to do? Some listener mail. Why don't we do that? Okay. That's straight ahead because, man, just, you know, dark day. Got to keep it light. Listener mail is always light, right? (laughs) That's next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Peaceful, easy feeling? (laughs) Yes. I'll take it. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. All right, just a few more minutes here. Uh, We've been talking over the past few days, well, about the 2020 elections and what to expect from them and what uh, candidates, what what supporters of Democrats should or should not hope for from their candidates. We sort of started uh, earlier in the week with uh, ACLU and their campaign, their Rights for All campaign, which you can get more detail on at rightsforall.us, in which they hope to get Democrats on the record on some particularly thorny issues, uh, political issues like, you know, uh, are they willing to call for the incarcerated to be allowed to have voting rights, which I think they should have. But as I noted when we uh, spoke with the uh, director of this campaign, that this could put some Democrats in some politically difficult situations And I think that, uh, well, Donald Trump needs to be removed from office, period. So, you know, are bringing these points up going to somehow hurt these Democratic candidates and their chances of uh, going after Donald Trump? Well, we've been talking about some response to that uh, question and that idea over the past few days. And an email from Ted T., responds to a caller we had on Monday on this topic. And Ted says, hi, Brad, Monday's European caller. I think he's talking about Mark. I don't know if he's 
He, I think he's American, but he's got a very heavy French accent yes. or something. Uh, he says, Monday's European caller made a valid point that you did not recognize. Due to climate disruption, our situation is now so dire that politics as usual no longer applies. That is, if we don't destroy the neoliberal capitalist regime, we are literally cooked. Thus... Ted writes, we have to, quote, go for broke in our politics, for even if we win a moderate Democratic victory, we are still screwed, just as screwed as if Trump is reelected, says Ted. Hmm. And it's, uh, of course, an idea that I've heard before. I heard it. Uh, I heard it before uh, the 2016 election from a lot of folks that, uh, oh, we, we you know, it doesn't matter if Donald Trump gets in. We'll be in just as bad shape if Hillary Clinton wins. Yeah, it's the eternal struggle within the Democratic yeah. Party, it seems, between incrementalism versus uh, going for broke, as he puts it, going bold on big, uh, big, big policies that are actually supported by the majority of Americans. And I'm all for uh, going big and going for broke unless what broke means is Donald Trump stays in and we have more of uh, more and much worse of what we have now. And, you know, this idea of I'm not happy with the candidates, so I'm not going to vote at all. You know, we saw how that worked out, uh, frankly, in Israel, where Benjamin Netanyahu, the far right winger, uh, was apparently reelected for his fifth term. After a bunch of uh, a lot of the Arab parties decided to stay home and not vote at all. That is not going to be good for the Palestinian people that I would think these uh, uh, Palestinian parties might support. So at some point it becomes counterproductive, in my opinion. Uh, although for those people who can wait it out, who can last throughout another Donald Trump term in their uh, quest for uh, going for broke, well, I'm, I'm glad you can make it. I don't know that I can. Anyway, wanted to share that note. You can drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com as we try to figure out what to make, how to make sense of the 2020 race. Uh, also, uh, one more note here from Nick C., uh, who, uh, do, uh, who left a donation for us at bradblog.com slash donate added. Uh, you and Des need to keep working. So I can stay retired. I admire what you do. Oh, that's very Nick. kind. Very kind. Well, thank you, Nick. But I didn't know that that was an option. You mean if we <laughs> stop, we could stop and Nick would jump in and fill the... No. <laughs> uh, that sounds good to me. Uh, all right. Anyway, my thanks to Nick and to everyone else who stops by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi Doyen and I try to do what we try to do every day over and, your public airway. And thank you for all the comments. They really are very interesting to keep the conversation going. And they're helpful yep. right around now. Uh, so thank you for that. All right. That is it. Uh, you can drop me an email, as I noted, at bradcast at bradblog.com. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it for free. Thanks to our supporters. Uh, by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Hope you will find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters, black hole though they may be, at simply the Brad Blog. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>